I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You are the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Miracles, kind of a weird thing, if we're honest. Uh, and you know, I don't know where you're at in your sort of church background and, and you know, theology, but I mean, I've, I've kind of seen all over the map, you know, I went to Oral Roberts University and there were people there that said, you know, if you will just, if you'll pray for someone to be, who's sick, they will be healed miraculously. And you, know, you pray for people to be sick and they don't get healed and some of them die. And then I've been in other churches where they're like, you know, miracles were just a kind of a thing for a little time that Jesus did because he's God and just the people that he touched, his disciples, and maybe an off one here or there, but they're kind of, they're just gone away. And then something happens that you completely cannot explain, and you go, I don't think miracles are completely gone. What are miracles about? What were they for? Why did Jesus even do them? That's what we're going to be talking about today. My guest is Pastor Joby Martin. He's got a new book called Anything is Possible, and uh, Joby's the founder and lead pastor of the Church of 1122 down in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, and I, in our previous interview and some other things I've watched and read of his, find him to be a very level-headed guy, and if you're going to talk about miracles, that's a good quality, so I think you'll enjoy this conversation. Hello, Judy, if you guys are live watching, you're, feel free to jump in the conversation, ask a question, make a comment, whatever, enjoy seeing that. If you're watching the replay, we enjoy your comments as well, as long as they're nice, if they're mean, or you're spamming, or something weird. I'll just delete it, but this is for those of you who are actually interested in the topic and want to have a good conversation. Joby, great to have you back on Life Today Live. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for having me. So, uh, you know, first question on a lot of these, and it's a good question, is, is why, why why, this topic? Uh, I'm, I'm curious. Is it just because people want to know about it, or did something happen to you that made you think, I need to write about this? What's going on? Yeah, the uh, really, this book is is really part two of the first book I wrote, which was called If the Tomb is Empty. And so the reason that you and I can believe in miracles is because we fundamentally believe that God has pulled off the greatest miracle of all time. <laughs> That's true. That his perfect son came, lived a perfect life, died in our place, was dead, like doorknob Dale dead. And on the third day was resurrected from the grave. And so if he did not spare his own son, then can't we believe that if he can breathe new life into his dead son, he can do anything. And so this is also, I think it was time uh, for evangelicals to get a really gospel-centered, gospel-saturated look at miracles. Because we're not chasing after the miraculous. We're chasing after the miracle maker. And when Jesus did miracles, he was never just flexing his raw power he was always pointing to his redemptive plan and so that matters and it's interesting the way that you introed this because uh, i deal with both of those in the book i mean what happens when you don't get your miracle when when god doesn't do what you think he ought to do and so there's a whole chapter on that on doubts and then there's also a chapter on how we should rightly respond to the miraculous and uh, while i was writing this book i had two very extreme things happen one of my best friends was diagnosed with terminal cancer and given 18 months to live. Mm. We prayed like crazy, and he is free and clear and alive. In fact, right now they said he would be in hospice, and he's leading worship at our church. Like oh. He's completely and totally healed. And then um, while I was writing a book on miracles, another one of my best friends 
uh, we're hunting together in the highlands of Scotland. And then we go up into the mountains one day and my friend Brad doesn't make it back, dies of a massive heart attack. Jeez. So I dealt with a bunch of these things uh, in and around the topic of miracles. Yeah. And it raises a lot of questions, and I, and I think they're fair questions. Uh, how were you raised? What was your view of miracles in your sort of background? Um, I wasn't raised in church yeah. and um, got saved as a teenager at a uh, a pretty fundamentalist camp. I would, I mean, at this point, I know they would they would be cessationist, um, but but it really came down to. Um, they were, it was almost like they were so afraid of the sign gifts, anything that might be a step in that direction. They just wanted to pump the brakes on. <laughs> yeah, right, right. And and then as I began to grow up and just, you know, read my Bible, I just, you know, I've read it cover to cover and I cannot see um, an expiration date on the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. Yeah. Now, I, I, now I know there's people that have done some wonky things with it, right? And mm -hmm. think you can like box God in and he has to do, he, he owes you. That's not how it works. Um, but Jesus said we would do even greater things than he did. And I mean, even in, even in your intro, um, one of those famous pastors said, uh, if you want a miracle, you expect it. And so I, I think we serve the kind of God that's good dad, loves his kids, loves to give good gifts to his children and that we should pray expectantly without putting our faith in our circumstances, but always in our risen savior. Yeah, and it said said right on our basketball court, or you expect a miracle, you know. And and I don't <laughs> I, I don't think that that's an extreme posture at all, uh, you know. I also understand the sovereignty of God and the idea that the greater miracle is the forgiveness of sins, not not the healing of the body. Any any physical healing miracle is temporary, if we're honest. Uh, but you know the the forgiveness of sins, which is why Jesus died is the greatest miracle of all because it's an eternal miracle so you know there's there's a lot in perspective but why do you think jesus did the things that he did when he was walking around uh and just almost seemingly randomly healing everybody at some point you know it says he healed everybody in this town you know i think um i mean the miraculous is when the unexplainable is run over by the undeniable <laughs> so so take when the four friends bring the paralytic to jesus and and you know they get there the, the house is full they can't get in they don't stop they tear the roof open they lower their buddy through the hole and jesus's first statement to the man is your sins are forgiven so exactly. he's everything you just said is what jesus was doing yeah. and then the pharisees are like who are you to forgive sin he's like you're right only god can do it i am god mm -hmm. and and everybody else is looking for him to be physically healed. And then Jesus asked this question. So which is harder to say your sins are forgiven or to, or to make or to heal you? Well, in the temporary, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven because how do you know if it worked? <laughs> you got to get to the great white throne judgment to see if it worked or not. Right. And in the temporary, it'd be really hard to say get up and walk if you can't pull that off. But if you are the son of God and you are the god that came up with the idea that legs that could work yeah. you can make them work no problem yeah but what it cost to forgive sins was to live a perfect life die on a cross and be resurrected so though the miracles may seem random to us i think what jesus was doing each and every time is peeling back the curtain of this 
sin infected world that we would see what his kingdom will be like it always pointed to god's redemptive purposes mm -hmm. And in the kingdom of God, there's no hungry people, there's no blind people, there's no dead people, there's nobody walks with a swagger or a limp. That we get to live into forever what God intended when he first created creation. So essentially, if I'm hearing you right, you're saying that it was a, a taste of what his design is, but not the completion and you know, ultimate fulfillment of it. Is that yeah, I, I think oftentimes this miracle was a taste and a teaching. I mean, when he turns water to wine, it's not just so the party could keep going. And yes, he had compassion on the host so that they wouldn't be embarrassed. Mm -hmm. But we're the dirty water that gets transformed into the wine through the blood of Jesus that we will fully experience at the great wedding feast. All of that is one thing. I think he's using that to teach. Um when when the woman with the issue of blood fights through the crowd and touches the hem of his garment mm. and he says who's that that touched me and then he looks at her and he says your faith has made you well well what she had faith in is she had faith in the written word of god that the last part of the old covenant in malachi says and the son of righteousness will come with healing in his wings mm -hmm. that word wings is um it can be translated like edge of a garment. Kanaf is the Hebrew word. And so she here's a woman that believes that her Bible is true and God always keeps his promises. And th if this is the son of righteousness, if I can just get to his kanaf, to the wing of his garment, to the edge of his garment, then God promised that I would be healed. I think over and over and over, the miracle, the miracles um, were just validating that Jesus is who he says he is and he always keeps his promises. Yeah, I talked to a rabbi recently who explained the whole significance of the wings on the garments, uh, uh, especially of the rabbis. Uh, right. And, and, and it's interesting because uh, we always think the hem of the garment, we just think she's kind of barely grabbed it. No, there was an intentionality about that, which had to do with the culture. Uh, and it's interesting how Jesus both honored sort of the cultural significance of it, but also stated his superiority in that. Uh and, and I, I think a lot of what he was doing was not like had to prove himself like out of insecurity, but just to let you know, <laughs> you know, look, this, this I, I'm, I am the Messiah. You know, there was a level of proof going on, I think. What do you think? Of, was he trying to prove himself, you think, or demonstrate? I agree 100 percent. OK, he was he was fulfilling every promise and prophecy about his coming. Mm from the old testament yeah yeah these aren't they're not just random things right but i mean you know when when he sits down in the synagogue to really kick off his public ministry and he unrolls the scroll and he's like it's about to be the year of the lord's favor <laughs> blind people are going to see lame people are going to walk you know he just yeah. he just calls out all of these things that god set up in such a way that the one that can pull off those promises those prophecies was the son of God. Mm. And then he rolls it up and he's like, you're looking at him. Mm -hmm. And then it's easy to say. And then he just proves it time after time, after time, after time. And again, as post-resurrection, post-ascension, great commission Christians, the reason that we can believe the miracles is not because all the little miracles add up. It's because we believe fundamentally that the tomb is empty. Mm-hmm. And if the tomb is empty, anything is possible. So 
here's the question, and this is one of my favorite, oddly enough, one of my favorite passages in the scripture, and I think it was, it was the Sea of Galilee that he was crossing, and when he got to the town on the other side, everybody came running at him going, show us a miracle, show us a miracle. And you know what he did. <laughs> what, what do you think that story is demonstrating? I think I know, but I'm, I want to hear it from you. Well, in John chapter 6, there's two miracles back to back. So one of the things that's going to happen is you got to know your circumstances will never sustain you. So there's the feeding of the 5,000. Then he walks on water to get to the other side. Mm -hmm. The crowd gets to him and says, okay, if you are who you say you are, then what sign do you have to show? And he's like, I mean, my commentary is how quickly we forget God answered God's answer prayer in our lives. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then he's like, you guys aren't even following me for me. You're following me for your full belly, which Jesus will not be a means to your end. He Mm -hmm. will not fund your idolatry. Mm -hmm. And that's the danger of the, of the, the folks that have made the miracle, their God, instead of trust the God of miracles. Mm Mm-hmm. And they said, yeah, but, but but Moses gave us bread, and this is when he turns everything upside down. He goes, I am the bread of life. And they're like, what? And there's so much there. Every The seven I am statements in John, he's seven times the number of completion. Mm-hmm. The, the I am statement is God's covenant name, Yahweh. He's saying, when you're looking at me, you're looking at God. And then he says crazy stuff. If you eat my flesh and drink my blood, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. This is the chapter that I use on how do you deal with doubts and how do you do how do you deal with God when he won't explain himself? Right. Because they're like, this is a hard teaching, and people begin to leave. Mm-hmm. And then my favorite part is he looks at Peter and says, Do you want to leave too? Because Peter wanted to leave. He's thinking, I've made a terrible decision. I think I need to be a fisherman again with my dad. Because mm-hmm. he doesn't understand what Jesus is talking about. And Jesus could have explained this in about five seconds. Mm-hmm. Like, hang in there, guys. There's this thing called the Lord's Supper. I'm going to institute it in a couple of years. The church will celebrate it to remember the gospel. So really what I'm saying is without the gospel, you have no part with me. Mm-hmm. But he explains nothing. Mm-hmm. Just like when we pray for a miracle and he doesn't do it the way we want him to do it, mm-hmm. he doesn't owe us or give us an explanation and so when Peter says, do I want to leave too? I mean, he's thinking, yes, yeah, sort of. But then he says, to whom shall we go? Yeah. You're the only one that offers eternal life. Because I've been a pastor now for 30 years, and I've seen a bunch of people walk away from Jesus because they, they didn't get what they wanted. Mm-hmm. But they also don't find what they were looking for to walk away from him. They just get beat up by this world. And if they do come back, they come back with some pretty significant scars. And so what do you do with doubts? What do you do with unanswered questions? You just pick them up and you follow after Jesus. Mm. And eventually, eventually we will be able to see the truth that God has been at work in all things for the good of those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And eventually, on this side, we see dimly. Then we will see and know fully and clearly, and he'll peel back the curtain And in eternity, I'm telling you, every believer will go, there you go again, God. I had no idea how you would use that tragedy. You would use that event in my life for your glory and my good. But now I see the crown of glory that you have been preparing. Yeah, yeah. And that unanswered prayer, that miracle that I asked for that you didn't send, you know. All right. Well, this is the book, Anything is Possible by Joby Martin. 
Looks just like that. Available wherever you get books. So if you want to dig into this one, this this would be an interesting one, a fun one, and I think an important one to get us some balance. Uh, you know, because even even the title right there, man. You know, we put it on a bumper sticker or on a plaque on the wall. I can do all things, and we kind of missed the point with that statement. I think um, the idea that anything is possible. How do you balance that with the, uh, I got Jesus on my side, therefore I can get anything I want kind of attitude, which does creep in, uh, sometimes <laughs> intentionally in the, in the message. And, and, but sometimes I think it just kind of, we, we kind of create that in ourselves, uh, human nature a little bit. How, how should we look at that? Um, J.I. Packer says, and still he seeks the fellowship of his people and sends them both joy or sorrow to detach our hands from the things of this world that we would attach to him. Mm. So what God ultimately wants for us is God, because anything short of that is not enough. And we should hope for and pray for the miraculous, I believe. First of all, you said this already, the only eternal miracle is salvation. So anybody that is forgiven of their sin and reconciled with a holy God, I mean, that's the most miraculous thing that can ever happen. Yeah. But ultimately what we want and need is just him by whatever means it takes to get us to him. Now, again, the Bible says we have not because we ask not. So I think we should ask and ask and keep on asking and knock and knock and keep on knocking and seek and seek and keep on seeking and then trust God regardless of the answer the the faith of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego help me when I'm praying for the miraculous before they go into the fiery furnace, they say, we know God can save us. We are believing in our instance, he is going to. And even if he doesn't, we're not bowing down to your idol. I think that's the way the new Testament believer prays for the miraculous. God, we know you can, your Bible has given us, evidence that you have done the miraculous and we are believing in this situation we're going to pray in faith like crazy and then whatever you decide we know that life is hard and you are good and so we're not going to bow down to the idol of fear how much faith do i have to have to see a miracle jesus says in regards to i mean one of my favorite chapters in the whole bible is is in uh, matthew 9 i mean mark chapter 9 the dad with the sick kid Mm -hmm. jesus comes off the Mountain of Transfiguration, the disciples are arguing. They're in this denominational battle and missing out on the ministry that's there. <clears throat> and and the dad says, if you can, will you heal my son? <laughs> Jesus says, anything is possible for the one who believes. And then the dad says, well, I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. And Jesus' response to that is a miracle. Hmm. Later on, when the disciples, Matthew records this, the disciples says, how couldn't we... How come we couldn't cast it out? And he says, this kind only comes out by prayer. Then he says, if you have a mustard seed sized faith, you can tell that mountain move and it's got no choice. So it is the object of our faith, not the amount of our faith that counts. Good. My son, my son is 17 years old. So a part of his job in life is to show me all the funny stuff on YouTube, you know? Right. So he'll be like, dad, look at this. (laughs) And I was, he was showing me, um, it was in China. They've built these glass bridges. Have you seen these things? Yes. Yes, They're, I with have. With like a thousand foot drop. Okay. And so 
somebody grabs their friend and like drags them out or people think they're going to walk across them. And then when they get out there, they freak out and they fall down. So they have virtually almost no faith that that bridge is going to hold them up. They're mm. terrified. Yeah. And yet it's not the amount of their faith. It's the object that they have put their faith in that keeps them up the bridge. Back in the 1800s, I forget all the details. There was this French seamstress and he made this jacket that doubled as a parachute and he was going to demonstrate it to everybody in France. So he goes up on the Eiffel tower and he had a dummy that he was going to wrap it in. But in that moment, he was so confident. He was a hundred percent sure that that thing, that jacket he made, if he jumped off the Eiffel tower, it would spread out and he would float safely down. He jumped out and thud hit the ground and died immediately. Mm. So he had an infinite amount of faith in himself and it was not enough to sustain his life. <laughs> yeah. And these folks on that bridge have barely enough faith to get on the bridge, and they are sustained. Mm. So it's not the amount of faith, it's the object of your faith. And so even if you've got a tiny little bit of faith in the Almighty God, it is exponentially greater than putting all your faith in you or your circumstances. Boy, man. You know, I, I have argued politely uh you know with with people who have faith in their own faith and i'm like dude right uh and and i think that that a little bit is the danger uh which leads to huge disappointment when you don't get what you ask for because you blame yourself or you blame god and it's not it's just not that um have you seen those bridges by the way and i think it's real unless it was just a great practical joke hoax thing but i think they have some where they're glass but they're they do this fake cracking thing and it looks yes. like they, I mean, <laughs> yeah like what like, people lose their minds <laughs> they lose their minds yeah what what is what is that about and, and you know but I, the thing is sometimes i i feel like that's the way we are when we put faith in our own faith uh you know and and it appears to be cracking and and then we just you know we lose it and and yeah, people walk away from God, unfortunately, and and what you're saying is absolutely the right way to approach it. Um, someone, someone, Judy, who watches a lot, says, uh, "Just because I'm not healed doesn't mean I'm not saved." She suffers chronic pain, um, and but and she will be, will be saved or will be healed. <laughs> will be, well, technically both, but <laughs> salvation in the Bible is three parts. I have been justified by faith in Christ, which it sounds like Judy, that's what she does. Absolutely. She is being healed or healed is being saved or sanctified by the work of the spirit in her life mm -hmm. right now. And then one day she will be glorified or ultimately saved when she meets Jesus face to face. Yeah. And, um, and she's absolutely right. I mean, even the apostle Paul, who God used to heal all kind of people prayed three times, please take this thorn from my flesh right. and yet god was at work in that area of her life so so yeah judy is absolutely right and and i can tell you man i mean c.s lewis says that you know god uses our pain as a megaphone to arouse a deaf world mm. the number of people that are probably looking at the life of judy and if she's struggling with chronic pain and for whatever reason right now god has has decided to not take it from her it's one thing to look at somebody's life that claims to follow Jesus and everything's just going fine. It's a totally different thing when you come in contact with a believer and you scratch your head going, how in the world are you making it? Mm -hmm. And you can quote what Paul says in Philippians. You're basically like, you know what? I'm not even sure, but here's what I know. 
I have a peace that transcends all understanding because God is guarding my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. Mm. And what people want, man, especially in times of pain, is they want a peace that transcends understanding. Yeah, And that may be how God is at work in Judy's life for the good of her because she loves him. Yeah, and that and that goes back to what you're talking about with the sort of the eternal perspective on miracles. Uh, when we don't get what we want and we don't understand it, but we will, you know, uh, right. and and the idea that all the miracles are about are are pointing people to Christ, you know, not not to ourselves. Um, Amen. Would do you? I'm going to get both of us into trouble here. I hope you don't mind. Um, Let's go. <laughs> I didn't think you would. That's why, that's why I like you. What do you What do you think of when? What, what do you make of people who say, you know, I've been anointed to heal people in the name of Jesus, um, and you know that that's sort of their thing and their attraction to draw the crowds and 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 all that. You ever seen that movie Leap of Faith with, with Steve Martin? I'm just yeah, man, he comes up in that sparkly. Are you ready for a miracle? I, yeah, I love that. Love that movie, by the way. I think it's really interesting theologically, in a lot of ways, Me sound too. film. Um, but when, when we see these, you know, the healers and stuff, um, I don't know. What do you What do you make of that? Well, scripturally, um, even people with the gift of healing did not have total control of who got healed. And so my problem with the modern day, quote unquote, faith healers is they seem to be in, they claim to be in control. Mm. So think about this, Paul. Why didn't Paul heal Timothy? He told him to drink a little wine for his stomach. Why didn't he heal Epaphroditus? Epaphroditus almost died. And I'm sure Paul was praying for healing. And why didn't Paul heal himself? He said, Lord, you know, I've asked you to take this thorn from my flesh. And yet God used Paul to heal a whole bunch of people because <laughs> I think that the the person with the gift of healing is is nothing but a vessel for God to heal through. They are not the captain of the vessel that tells God when he has to heal. That's the fundamental difference. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that boy, you handled that really well. <laughs> <laughs> I should write that down because I just said that's the first time I've ever said it that way. So I should probably jot that down. <laughs> yeah, your, your, your next book, uh, uh, Joby on Faith Healers. That's right. All right. Well, at the end of this, you know, um, when when we think of miracles, um, I, I, I do think it's, you, know, you, you definitely touched on this, we don't seek the miracle. We seek the miracle worker. Amen. And then we trust what he does or doesn't do, you know, and we won't always understand, but we will someday because we trust the one who does understand, who sees all of it. I mean, that's I, I that's kind of where I've landed, having been gone all the way from Southern Baptist to Charismatic and back and forth again and, and seeing the how that expresses itself. But in, in your mind, having written a book on it, um, what do you where do you what what's the right way to look at the idea of miracles and what role do they have in the lives of Christians today? Yeah, I think we need to make sure that we anchor our theology of the miraculous not on our experience, but we anchor our theology of the miraculous on what the scripture teaches us about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's why I say it all the time here at our church. If the tomb is empty, 
anything is possible. That means marriages can be restored, bodies can be healed, prodigals can come home, addictions can be broken. This is not just up to human effort to get it right. Hmm. This is inviting God to supernaturally get involved in our lives, to save us from our sin and accomplish whatever would glorify him most in our lives. That's what we should be expecting as believers. Love it. There you go. Good bottom line. Uh, that's good. I want to show you Joby's website. Um, eh, not the music yet. This is his website, jobymartin.com. You can check out the book. Also, do you have your sermons on there? Most pastors do. but I do, yeah. 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 And they're all at our, our church website, too, coe22.com for Church of 1122. coe22.com. Okay, I don't have that one on the screen, yep. but you, you guys can find that. Thanks again, man. I appreciate you. It's always good talking to you. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you guys out there watching. Uh, hit share, hit like, hit follow, subscribe, all those good things. Uh, and do check out Joby's book if you're interested in this topic. It's a great topic. And you you know by now, you'll get good balance. That's healthy. It's called Anything is Possible. Available wherever you get books. And come back. I've got more good stuff for you right here on Life Today Live.